Welcome to the Exhibit C Podcast, where two guys give their primitive and extremely biased opinions on the state of the National League East division. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, Christian will go into painful depth to review his Phillies 2020 season and preview the outlook of the 2021 season. Christian. What did you make of the Phillies' year last year? Well, Charlie, we got into it a bit in the first podcast. Go check that out right now if you haven't yet. But the Phillies' season, it was another one where a lot of us Phillies fans were going in with a lot of high hopes. And you know what? Again, for what is it, like the third year in a row now, they just completely fell apart down the stretch, just didn't deliver at all. And they finished four games under 500 and out of a wild card spot again. And, you know, it's, it's just getting, it's getting old with the Phillies. The, the off seasons, there's always a lot of hope, always a lot of potential, always a lot of hype around the team to maybe this will be the year that we make a run. But I think it's been since 2011 since the Phillies have made it to the postseason. And you can fact me, check me on that, but I do know for a fact that that is the longest. And any team in the National League has gone without making the postseason. Um, this is the longest active streak. So, Phillies fans out there, that that that's that's a pretty pretty ugly sign. But yeah, just if we want to dive deeper into the Phillies, well, actually, first year, I just want to hear your quick quick thoughts on the how the Phillies season went this year from your perspective. Well, one, we got the Pittsburgh Pirates that have made the playoffs more recently than the Philadelphia Phillies. There is something wrong with that picture. <laughs> and the Miami Marlins, who not only did they make the playoffs, but they went to the divisional round last year. Philadelphia. And Philadelphia spends money. You got these teams that don't spend money in Phillies out here dropping bags on Jake Arrieta. From my vantage point, the Phillies, I'm always, ever since they signed Bryce Harper, obviously they haven't been that force to be reckoned with yet. Going back to the 2020 season, I think they underperformed. I think they have uh, more than capable starting rotation, abysmal bullpen, but everybody in the NL East minus the Braves have an abysmal bullpen. Uh, and from that vantage point, the lineup is one of the best in the in the National League. Um, they underperformed, in my opinion. I think they should have made the playoffs. They shouldn't have even been a push towards the end to make the playoffs. They should have been in uh, just from the beginning. But, yeah, it was disappointing uh, from a Braves fan's perspective, but that's all I, all, that's all I can say. Yeah, and, and just getting deeper into that bullpen, I mean, we could talk at length about the lineup. They were sixth in the MOB in runs this year. Um, and even the starting pitching rotation for its flaws towards the back end of it, they, they have the, the horses they, to be a playoff team at the very least with that offense. But when you're rolling out a bullpen that, I mean, ready for this, this, this bullpen, the ERA for the entire, for the bullpen, it is. It was seven. The ERA for the bullpen in Philadelphia last year was seven. Nobody really comes close besides Colorado. After those two at the top, it's just a massive drop-off to the other bullpens in MLB. But this was something that Matt Klintak, who was the former GM, now former, thank God, GM in Philadelphia, repeatedly failed to address. And he would always, like you mentioned, the Phillies spend money and they spend money on these big names and you think that they're going to turn it around but this like crack in the foundation of the Phillies organization is 
the has been the bullpen for such a long time now. And they made some moves at the deadline. Everyone that they brought in completely underperformed. And yeah, I mean, it was it was really hard to watch, especially towards the end of the season when you just knew again that this was going to be another year where the Phillies feel you feel like you're in the driver's seat, and then they just collapse at the end of the season. Again, interesting that bullpen issue. I remember a couple of years ago when your boy Sir Anthony was coming up, and I'm and I was like, this guy is a dog. But obviously, injury issues have kept him out of the uh, uh, bullpen rotation. Uh, so going, so so if you want to transition into the off season now, obviously the bullpen was the biggest issues. Real Muto was a huge question mark. Most people most people thought he was going to walk to New York, either of the New York teams. So talk about what they needed to address going into the off season, and talk about. How they fix that? Yeah, and you're you're completely right about um, Real Muto. There, going into the offseason, that's a huge question mark because Real Muto. I mean, the Phillies gave up their essentially entire prospect list, which was just the, our beloved Sixto Sanchez. For, for those that don't know, I've been I've been grilling on Christian for the last few years, saying that J, you got two years out of JT Real Muto, where you guys did not make the playoffs, and you gave up. A bona fide ace for those two years that meant nothing in the, in the grand scheme of things. But good for you guys, you signed them. Yeah. So the Phillies, Matt Klintek gave up Sixto Sanchez, who was just this gem in the minor leagues and is now performing in the major leagues. Gave up him and a few other prospects, along with Jorge Alfaro, who was the former catcher in Philadelphia, for JT Real Muto. And that 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 move right there signals we're ready to win games and. The Phillies have not made the playoffs with JT Romito on the roster. But nevertheless, the amount that they invested in him, I thought he was gone. I thought he was gone from the end of last season to the moment they signed him. I was incredibly concerned that they were not going to be able to get that deal done. I thought he was going to be able to find a lot more money elsewhere. But thankfully, whether it was COVID or what other, whatever other factors, he is back with the Phillies, which is huge. The, the importance of that cannot be understated. He is... In my opinion, and I believe in most people's opinion, the best catcher in baseball and the drop off from the best catcher in baseball to Andrew Knapp is is not something <laughs> that Phillies fans want to see on a regular basis. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about the bullpen at length. They The Phillies made some some, I'd say, really good moves. And with the bullpen, with the new um, president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski, who's a two-time World Series winner. So that's nice to have some pedigree in the front office for the first time in a while. But, yeah, with the new bullpen additions, they brought in an absolute flamethrower in Jose Alvarado, who I believe he sits somewhere at, like, he. I think his average fastball is, like, 98 miles an hour, maybe north of that. So he's a lefty guy. Just needs to tune the the control a little bit, but he's he's young. I, I believe he's twenty six. So uh, that that's an exciting addition that a lot of people in the Phillies organization are very happy about right now. And then uh, brought in Archie Bradley, who kind of figures as of now to be the. Um, a, lot, a lot of people are projecting him in that closer role for next year. Hector Neris is coming back. I, I can't see Hector Neris being the closer again next season after his performance last year. But Joe Girardi seems to like him. So it, it, he's not, it doesn't sound like he's ready to kind of assign that role necessarily. But it, it does seem like it's just based off of 
past seasons and experience, it's looking like it's going to be Archie Bradley. So just in those two, that's two very good additions. And then they also, the Phillies also brought in um, a couple of guys to bolster the back of the rotation. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but the starters, you have, you obviously have Aaron Nola and Wheeler who that's, I mean, just, it's almost as good of a one, two punch as you're going to find. And so the Phillies can be happy with that, but the back end of the rotation is a little bit lacking. It's guys like Eflin and Velasquez who have been around for a while. And it's starting to seem like you kind of know what you've got with those guys. Um, a lot of people expected great things out of both of them, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, um, they're going to be top end rotation guys. Eflin will probably stick around as a starter. Velasquez, we might see him move to the bullpen, but I digress. The Phillies were able to bring in Chase Anderson and Matt Moore, who both guys who have had pretty solid careers to this point. They're both experienced guys and, and the Phillies, Coaches and players seem to like what they've seen out of them thus far in spring training. So there's my off-season roundup for you. But let's back it up a little bit to the the lineup for the Phillies in 2020. Kind of walk. Let's walk through the lineup. Let's go through each position. All right, let's start with first base, Reese Hoskins. How did he perform last year? Yeah, it's good that you mentioned up the lineup from last year because we're pretty much going to see the exact same lineup going into this next season, uh, with the exception of center field, because nobody knows what's going to happen in center field right now. But Reese Hoskins, he uh, he's a guy that a lot of us Phillies fans, I know me and my brothers in particular, have grown very frustrated with. I mean, he burst onto the scene as a rookie in that in that back end of the season. I think he. He might have broken the record for most home runs in a player's first however many games. And he was just smashing the ball out of the park every every day, basically. That's what it felt like in that uh, late summer a few years ago. But since then, he, he's kind of, I, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, he just doesn't like to swing. And, I mean, he, he's kind of maybe fallen victim to that Gabe Tapler philosophy that the Phillies had for the last couple of years of seeing pitches, because apparently that's the most important stat for a hitter. But um, he, he, he does that and he gets on base a lot. Dude is almost, he's up at about, he's at three, he was at 384 last year for on base percentage. And I'm sure that's pretty consistent with where he's been. Uh, he, he walks a ton, sees a lot of pitches, but what we saw at Reese Hoskins last year was kind of, his duality because we saw that player that just takes a really calm, reserved approach at the plate. And then we saw stretches where he just exploded. And he, he did finish with 10 home runs last year. His OPS was close to 900. So I think maybe with, with the new coaching staff, with one year of experience with them becoming more comfortable with them, that he will actually finally be able to turn that corner. And because he, he's got a ton of potential. I think that's why we've been so frustrated with him. Oh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I, I've never been a big fan of Reese from, you know, kind of an outside point of view. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to put into words. You know the statistics better than I do. But then again, it's just I think it's be, it's because his at-bats are so freaking boring to watch. It's like a 
12 pitch at bat and he walks. I'm like, what the heck? It's like a Carlos Santana did the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, that, that is kind of that type of influence because that was one of Kapler's big additions. And then he, Santana came in and had the worst season of his career. And then the next season decided to go and have the best season of his career yeah, elsewhere. Cleveland, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a weird watching Reese Hoskins plays very frustrating sometimes but when he he's a he's a guy that he he'll go on these runs where nobody on the team's playing better and that includes Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper can be streaky in a similar way as well but you always every time Bryce Harper comes up to the plate and this is what I love so much about him you feel like he's gonna hit a home run or just hit the cover off the baseball because he's that type of exciting talent and he's an aggressive player and he plays with his heart on his sleeve. So that that's where they differ a lot. And, I mean, maybe it'll get Bryce Harper into trouble, but then again, he's Bryce Harper, and it usually doesn't. I mean, for however long he's going to be in Philadelphia, I guess we kind of have to. But he he's, he's, he's a guy that we paid him all the money, and over the last um, couple years, few years, however long it's been now, he – He's gone out there and he's felt like he had to earn that money every day, which is which is the type of attitude that you'd love to see from a guy that's getting paid that much because you obviously don't want them to just become this reserved player and be like they just cash their paycheck, you know? Yeah, and and he's a bona fide stud in NOE, so he's he's just someone that I mean that you we've watched for years and seeing him with the Nationals, obviously now with the Phillies. Yeah, the, the Bryce Harper's a dude, and I know he goes through those weird, cold spells. But then when he's hot, he's hot. I mean, he, hit, he hits the ball to all like sides of the field. Like he, he'll hit a home run right down the freaking left field uh, foul line, and it's it's just the most ridiculous. Him and freaking Juan Soto are just two guys that have ridiculous power to all sides of the field from the left side of the plate. Freddie Freeman's the same way. But yeah, I mean, outside of Bryce Harper, and and honestly, real, I think Real Muto could be a superstar status. But I, I think that is debatable. Uh, but then the rest of the infield is pretty solid, right? Segura, Gregorius, and Bone. Yeah, it, it's a lot. I mean, the Phillies lineup. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, but they they were sixth in runs last year, so that's nothing to scoff at. They, I mean, these dudes they went out and they performed. Um, you mentioned Segura; he's another guy. You know what you have with Segura? He's going to bat two eighty. He's going to hit some singles. He's going to hit maybe some doubles and he's going to get on base and he bats very well at the two hole. I don't know how much we'll see him there, but um, it's nice to know that you have a, a consistent guy like him. And then Didi Gregorius was another one of the big off season re-signings. Um, there was a little bit of talk about Angleton Simmons at shortstop, but what you get with Didi Gregorius is a, a very, very good hitter at, at this stage in his career. And he had one of his better seasons in the short in 2020. And he, he's a guy I'm, I'm incredibly happy to have him back. It wasn't looking like a sure thing there for a second, but he's another, he, you know, what you got with Didi Gregorius. He can hit for some power. He led the team in RBIs last year, which is awesome. So definitely a versatile player. And then Alec Baum, you mentioned it. He's, and he, he just did nothing but deliver last year for, for the entire time that he was up in MLB. And at the end of the season, there was really no one playing better on the Phillies, which is, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I don't think anybody expected that type of 
rookie season out of him. But what we got was a guy that batted 340 in 44 games as a rookie. And I know it was a shortened season, but he he looks like he's going to be the the future at, at third base, which is nice nice to have. And he won NL Rookie of the Year? Second. I think he was second behind yeah, that, uh, I know, the I reliever. Know. <laughs> I know, I was kidding. For the, uh, he, lost, he lost it to a relief pitcher. So, um, it's, that's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> Oh. I mean, the, the the guy that won it did have like a, I don't think he, like he had like a 0. 0.5, 0. 0.05, I don't know, it was very small. If, if Ronald Acuna would have lost his freaking NL Rookie of the Year season to an, a relief pitcher, I would have stormed the, the freaking, <laughs> I don't even know, I, I would have gone to Rob Manfred's house and, and I would have. I don't know what I would have done, but I would have done it. All right. So what the heck's going on in center field? That's the question. I'm looking at fan graphs and you can kind of see pretty even everyone nearly above 80% on their reps at their position. Then you got center field, which is like a a frying pan full of just random people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. You have, you have Bryce Harper in right. You have Andrew McCutcheon in left. So those are the dudes that'll be there. Andrew McCutcheon's another guy. We didn't, really talk about it we don't need to talk about him much he's not the mvp that he once was but he's still a good leadoff hitter and he's a good guy to have around so but yeah but center field just i mean it's a it's a mess right now and that has been probably the outside of maybe the talking about the rotation who's going to fill in those last uh few spots or the the bullpen is, has gotten competitive for the first time in a long time. The center field position is just a huge question mark. So there are, I think there are five candidates now, and we'll we'll just start with the first one that I'm seeing on my page right here. But the first one is Roman Quinn. He's he might be the fastest player in MLB, but he gets hurt. Probably he could probably get hurt going for a jog around the bases. So <laughs> with him, he, he's fast as can be. He, he doesn't hit very well. He, he has more pop in his bat than you would expect for a guy of his size. But, I mean, you know what you got with Roman Quinn. He's going to make the roster, if only for his speed, because he's a guy in late-game situations you're going to want in the game. He's not a plus-plus center fielder. But he, he has range out there, obviously, and he steals bases. So late in games, you see he'll be on the roster. For the, I, don't, I don't think he will be starting. That's why I say that. The other guys in the competition would be Adam Hazley, who is he, – he played 40 games and batted 280 last year. So he, he's, a, he, he's a young guy. He's 24, maybe 25. But he's not, he's not a very exciting player. He's, he's not – a very like fresh prospect anymore. But I think out of the options right now in center field, he is probably the most consistent of them. And then another guy out of the three that got center field reps for the Phillies last year that's in this competition, in this mess, is Scott Kingery, who, I mean, Scotty Jetpacks. We, we thought he was going to be Chase Utley reincarnate for a brief time there he signed a guaranteed contract not to like right as soon as he came up right they, the Phillies extended that. yeah they, they did that the, with yeah he he absolutely raked in the in the grapefruit league and spring training 
And then he he had a, a decent rookie season. And then he had this one stretch a couple years ago where he was just the hottest player, one of the hottest players in MLB for like a solid month. And we were like, all right, this is Scott Kingery. This is the guy that we thought we were going to get. And I mean, ever since then, he's probably batted below the Mendoza line for the last season and a half. That's crazy. And it's just, it, it's it's really sad because he he was probably the most hyped outside of Sixto Sanchez, the most hyped Phillies prospect that we've had in a long time. And he just, I mean, they're not going to give up on him yet, but he's in a fight for a center field position. And he's a second baseman, so it kind of goes to show his status right now. But those are the three guys that played last year. And then another guy that I think it's probably important to talk about in this in this mess oh, is I know where you're going with this. Herrera. Odubel Herrera. The freaking Atlanta Brave killer himself. And I mean it I there was a long time where I completely forgot Odubo Herrera. I, if you asked me, I would have told you Odubo Herrera was not in the Phillies organization because, I I mean, his, I, I think it was maybe two and a half years ago now. And if you don't know about Odubo Herrera, he was involved in a really, really ugly domestic violence um assault situation. And the, the charges were dropped, but it's one of those situations where for for him, it was so obvious what happened that it it, it kind of it's mind boggling to me that he wasn't just cut by the Phillies there because there was like all all the possible evidence you can ask for. But so he got his I think it was an eighty game suspension from the MLB, and I thought he was gone. And then the Phillies started like he, they had him on this weird like minor league deal, and now all of a sudden he's back in spring training just back from the dead and i mean it, it, it's a tough situation um i it, as a phillies fan and i think a lot of phillies fans will, will agree i mean it it's great to give for a guy to have a second chance and redeem himself after doing something so bad but i i, I mean i don't think that this is the place for that to happen he got at the end of the day, I think really he he was a guy that was very good for a short amount of time, and then he was very very bad. It just is just baseball speaking. He was I think there was like a hundred game stretch after he was an all star um, maybe four years ago, and there was just a hundred game stretch where he was batting like two hundred and just not not a good not a good baseball player. And then the domestic violence thing happened and he was gone. So with him, it's, it's weird. The timing of this is weird because on the one hand, he probably should be in prison. And on the other hand, he's not a very good baseball player. If you're just going off of his, um, off of his recent or off of his most recent um, statistics. So it's a weird situation. I, I think it's probably an uncomfortable situation for a lot of the players that are at, at spring training right now. They're probably having to field a lot of uncomfortable questions. But, I mean, out of the guys that are in this center field competition, 
he's probably the guy that has the most raw talent. So there on that other end, even if he's struggled so much in the it's, it's a really it's a really difficult conversation i i don't think he's going to make the phillies roster i kind of hope he doesn't make the phillies roster i think if he wants i, I think he needs to be punished like, it feels like it's too easy you know and for just coming back it, he was had an 80 game suspension and got sent to the minor leagues because he wasn't a good baseball player i mean has he been getting at bats in spring training i i I think he's maybe had – I think he's had a few. I don't think he's getting a lot. But you know who is getting at bats in center field? I think 11 or 10 or 11 of them right now. Mickey is, Boniak. Yeah. Mickey – they might be calling him <laughs> – Mickey. I was, calling, I was joking. I was 100% coming out of left field just saying the most no, – yeah, No, man. And they might be calling him Mickey Moneyak soon. No, because that, that guy's a, he's a bust. Watch he, this. He's going to come around he, with, with rookie. So I, I did not think – I mean, so going into this, going into spring training, this this center field competition was between those three guys that played last year. That, that's Hazley Quinn and um, – Vince Velasquez. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, Kingery. Yeah. <laughs> I wish Vince Velasquez was, but Kingery is the other guy. And and then the whole Dubal thing happens. He's now welcome at spring training. And then Mickey Moniak, out of nowhere, he's starting to look like a dark horse because for lack of a better option and off of the basis of his play, he I think he's five for 11 right now, and he's hit four extra base hits. So there's no way that the Phillies are going to say, screw it. Let's just bring them up. Start of day one. I, I don't think that that's necessarily what's going to happen, but the way that he's playing recently and the way that he's progressed a little bit in the minors, he's not, he doesn't, he hasn't never looked like a number one pick until this past month, but he does now he's got some nice lettuce coming out the back of the hat. So it it's, it, He's he's a dark horse, and I mean, I really think that if I if you had to if you if you made me guess today who was going to be going out to center field to start on opening day, I would say Scott Kingery. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like Moniac is not a a very reasonable dark horse contender for the position at this point. Okay. So after this entire segment that we're doing right now, essentially what we are saying is that the Philadelphia Phillies main hole in their lineup is in center field. Fair, fair assessment. All right, let's move on now. So let's, let's talk about 2021 a little bit with the Phillies. What, and I want you to be honest, maybe a little bit biased, maybe get a little aroused by the Phillies right now. What are your what's going to happen in 2021? What's happening in spring training that you've liked so far? You give give me all your takes. Well, I hesitate to get too excited again for the fourth year in a row now. But this is a team that's got a I mean, it this is we just talked about center field for a long time because it, there there aren't really any good options there right now as it looks, but the rest of the lineup, there's not a single hole. And if you have one position where it's a little iffy, everyone else in the lineup is not just a solid 
MLB starter. They're good MLB starters. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is probably the worst out of the rest of the bunch, and he won an MVP in his career. So that is that's something to look forward to. It's a lineup that is going to be pretty much exactly the same as last year, and the the form of it last year, where guys like Hoskins and Harper, you probably didn't see. And, and Real Muto, especially, you probably didn't see their best seasons last year. Or, I mean, some of them may have even underperformed for stretches. It's still a lineup that, that was sixth in MOB in runs. And it's a lineup that's going to be able to hit really well this year. So that that's definitely the most exciting thing about the team next year. It There's a lot of money in that lineup. So they're, they better be able to perform. Uh, at the very least, stay at that sixth in Ron's position, maybe move into the top five, maybe challenge the Braves. I don't know. The talent is there. You know, what I see, especially offense, maybe they're not as good as a match of the Braves offensively in that lineup, especially with that glaring hole in center. But last year, they were near like top 10 in the MLB in every offensive category. Home runs, they were just outside the top 10 and 11, but batting average, total bases, OPS, you got them in the top 10, it's kind of scattered around. So if you, you could do far worse this year than having the same exact lineup that you had last year, considering where you were with Gregorius. Where you were with Real Muto, you could have lost those guys. You could be starting the ghost of Cesar Hernandez at shortstop right now, and you could be starting Mickey Maniac uh, or you, Mickey Maniac behind the plate. And you you don't know what, what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very. I think for from a Phillies fan perspective, going into this off season, the number one priority was probably the bullpen, but. Number two, and a close number two, is just bringing back the same lineup that we had last year. Because it was never a sure thing until the second that Didi Gregorius signed. Because Real Muto, we didn't know if he was coming back. And then once he signed, we didn't know if Gregorius was coming back. So the fact that they were able to bring both of those guys back and just to kind of turn it over into this next season with a lineup that performed very well last year, and just build the team around them, build up the bullpen, bolster the back of the rotation. And now you have a team that it, it it's top to bottom more sound, a lot more sound than the one we saw last year. You know, I'm going to be honest. This team for the Phillies uh, reminds me a lot of the 2018 Braves who kind of came out of nowhere to win the division. Uh, you had Freddie Freeman, right? The the guy that has been a stud, all-star, uh, silver slugger at first base. You guys got um, Bryce Harper in right field. So you, both uh, ran like MVPs in their career at that level and can produce at that level still. Uh, I mean, I would even say the Phillies have more firepower. Um, the Braves pitching staff was a bunch of just random guys that aren't even pitching today. And then you have, yeah, I, I would say then you have Nick Markakis. So you have the McCutcheon comparison. Reese Hoskins, uh, I would compare him a little bit to uh, on that 2018 Braves. I don't even know who I'd compare Reese Hoskins to, but uh, um, the, the Braves had Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki behind the dish. 
they had Dandre Swanton, who wasn't particularly good. They had a young Ozzy Albies, who was pretty solid, but still young, a young Ronald Acuna for half the season. So I, maybe you guys don't have an Acuna in your pocket, but yeah, I see a lot of similarities with these teams. They had a bullpen that that was kind of sketchy. AJ Mentor was up and down. So I, I see a lot of comparisons. This 2021 Phillies and the 2018 Braves, if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, and just moving away from the lineup, we haven't really talked about the pitching much. We've talked about the bullpen at length, but we haven't talked about the starters much. But Nola and Wheeler are coming back. Wheeler had one of the best season of seasons of his career last year, and Nola, I, Nola is he's a stud, and he he's been a bit up and down at times, and he he hasn't he he hasn't consistently been the guy that he was in 2018, I believe, where he was third in the Cy Young voting. But he's still Aaron Nola, and he's one of the best pitchers in, in the NL East, and he's one of the best pitchers in the National League. So he, that's a, those two guys are very good. Zach Eflin's returning for, like, a middle of the rotation, maybe towards the back of the rotation. I mean, he's, he's Zach Eflin at this point. We know we have in Zach Eflin. He's going to be hovering around four with his ERA. His fifth last year was 3.4. So he's another guy that he, you can roll him out there and he'll have, he'll have some bad starts. He'll give up some home runs every once in a while, but he's also someone that you can trust to perform at, enough to, to get this at line up to the some game. Uh, Yeah. To give you some yeah. decent starts. You're not, you're not looking at, Eflin is not a, a hole in the Phillies rotation. Yeah, I mean, Eflin had 1.5 war in 60 games last year. I, I don't think he had a – I mean, I, I would say considering where he has been in the past, that was a step forward for him. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I was pretty happy I was pretty happy about it. He, he – yeah, and he's young. He's still young. He's around the same age as Nola. But – and then we mentioned um, Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. They're two guys that – they're just both fifth starters on on almost any team that doesn't have a, a absolutely stacked rotation. So they're they're guys that have been around for a while, and they've always been around four in the ERA. Sometimes they've had better seasons, sometimes they've had worse seasons, but they both managed to carve out like ten year careers in the MLB. So they're they're two guys that and and. I might add, it, it's it's worth mentioning that the Phillies organization and the coaches have been very, very complimentary of them at this point in spring training. They've definitely impressed a lot of the media in Philadelphia and guys that I respect and like to listen to and, and read and um, and the coaches in Philadelphia. So that that is that's that's something to look forward to in the rotation. I know a lot of Phillies fans, myself included, would love to see Spencer Howard being one of those guys that he that is in that back end of the rotation. And he's definitely still in the fight. But at this point, it doesn't really look like it. And he's still young. He's I think he's going to be this is like his age 24 season, but he's not that guy yet. He's still he's still a prospect in the Phillies organization. He's just a guy that is on the roster because he's at a position of immense need, which is just having enough pitchers, competent pitchers to field an MLB team. 
You know, you know, I, I think you did a good job describing the rotation. Here's something pretty alarming about the NL East. I there's a good argument that the Phillies have the worst starting rotation in the NL East right now. Probably, yeah, there probably yeah. is an argument to be made there. Yeah. Well, let, let's go through. You've got the Mets. Obviously, the Mets, I think, have the best. I think it's kind of undoubtedly. Yeah, that, I don't think any, you're going to find anyone arguing that. You got the Nationals. Especially with, if Syndergaard is able to come back. Sure. I, and I think, the, I think honestly, with the Nationals, Phillies, and Marlins, you kind of – you go anyway with all three of them. Yeah, I mean the the I think the the people want to see the Marlins young pitchers kind of uh, do a little bit like just have a they have a small sample size on them right now. They kind of want to see them over a hundred and sixty two game stretch. So I think you give them um, the last the final spot in the rankings. But then the Phillies and Braves and the Nationals, I mean, they're all just kind of just stuck right there. Um, with good with good rotations, it's not that whoever's ranked last has a bad rotation. It's just in the NL East where pitching is king. It's 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 just amazing all the pitching talent that we have, especially top of the rotation pitching talent. As you said, the Wheeler and Nola very well could be the best one two punch in the NL East. But then the the drop off after that with Arietta, Spencer Howard still is an unknown, right? So, like, at the MLB level, is he going to be consistent enough to be a top-of-the-rotation arm? It, he can very well be a number four or five, but that's not going to get you over the hump in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's interesting that, I mean, the Mets are, they're so far out ahead as of right now. I mean, who knows what happens this year, but they they just have studs from in, in every starting pitching spot when Syndergaard, when and if Syndergaard comes back healthy. But, yeah, looking around the rest of the division, I think, it's fun to compare the teams because the Braves and the Marlins, and I know the Braves pitchers, they're they're young like the Marlins pitchers, but they've had more, I, I don't know what, what the word is, but like high stress. They've performed in high stress environments. They've been able to go. And the Marlins, they, they were able to make it to the playoffs and they played some very important games down the stretch last season. But I think the sample size for the Braves is a lot more to go off of than what we have with the Marlins um, starting rotation as of right now. But they're all they're young guys on both teams. And then the Phillies and the Nationals are also really interesting because at the top of both of those rotations, you have old, older, not old, but experienced, proven guys like Nola and Wheeler for the Phillies. And then you have Scherzer and Corbin and Strasburg for the Nationals. And then it kind of falls off at the end there. So... I think it it will be interesting to see how that kind of irons itself out over the course of the season because there are a lot of similarities that could be drawn between these teams and their pitching staffs. And, and I and I would say this when we're discussing the bottom four in the NL East in terms of pitching rotations, the upside for the Phillies and the Nationals, they're, they're far and away right now better or better than the Braves and the Marlins, uh, like the top of the rotation, bona fide aces. Now, I know a lot of people would argue that Nola is not an ace. Um, I've heard I've read a couple articles that said. Uh, that his peripherals just weren't matching what you would want out of a legit one. And then that article went on to say that there was only six aces in the MLB. So obviously when, <laughs> but anyways, I th- I think with the Braves, the Braves have, have a lot of potential, but as you said, they're young. 
and they're not. Nola's been doing it for years. Scherzer's been doing it since the Reagan administration. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it. But but with the Nationals, I will say this: Scherzer did not have uh, did not have a great year last year. Neither did Corbin. So are those two going to fall off a cliff? And then Strasburg's coming off of another injury. So yeah, one of his many. I swear, I swear that guy gets in his car and he tweaks his ankle. Yeah. So there's a lot of question marks in uh, in Washington. Uh, just yeah, off of we we talked about it in that in the Nationals episode, but there's the cliff is coming eventually. Nobody knows when it will come. I mean, but and you don't you're, you don't you're not going to bet against Max Scherzer because that would be stupid. Yeah. But who it's, knows? It's the beautiful thing about this year. We have 60 games, which is too small of a sample size to judge off of what happened last year. And we're trying to take that information and turn it into something that is viable for us to look at and project this year when we have no idea. We had the Nationals, as we talked about, the reigning champions finished last in the NL East. You can throw all the stats basically last year out the door. And like it's going to be pretty wild to see uh, like in the first few like weeks of the season who's atop the standing. So you're going to see like the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, in the NL Central <laughs> leading the way after two weeks or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and that that is part of the fun because you're you're not going to know what you have. I mean, there were certain teams like the Dodgers, you know what you have, but you, with most of the teams, you're not going to know what you have until like they've been in in the season for them playing baseball for like a month. Like you don't you don't know you don't know what what team what type of teams that we're looking at, even in this division where we think we we might be some level of experts about the NL East, but I mean, we're going off of not much of a sample size for a lot of these guys. All right, let's bring it back to the Phillies. Give me your final thoughts. Any any topic that you want to touch on uh, before we kind of change gears? I think I'm I'm excited for this Phillies season, and I have been the each of the last three years. And I know it might it might come back to bite me this year, my excitement for this season. But it, I feel like. There aren't really any, I mean, outside of center field, we addressed that. I think they'll end up with, worst case scenario, they're, they're going to end up with a player who's just below MOB average for a center fielder. I, I think I trust enough in, in these guys. They're all young and talented. There's going to be one that is going to prove that they're worthy of, over the other four. So I think that that'll kind of iron itself out over 162 games. But at the bullpen, I really believe that with the additions they made, we only mentioned Jose Alvarado and Archie Bradley, but there there are other additions and there's guys coming back from injury and guys who didn't have good seasons last year, like Hector Neris, who we know have talent. So I think the bullpen has done enough to at least be close to the top half of the MLB in terms of bullpens. I, I really want to believe that. And really, in all honesty, just being out of the bottom third would go such a long way with with this roster because there's so much talent everywhere else that they'll be able to carry the team. We don't need the best bullpen in the MLB to make the playoffs. That's just the the team is 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 built for hitting the money is in the lineup so the, it, it will be i i really think and 
Unfortunately, the NL East is so stacked, so it's going to make it more difficult. But I think the Phillies are going to have a really good shot this year. And I, I, I think that they, I'm very happy with the additions and the, the guys that they brought back this offseason. And that will wrap up our episode previewing the Phillies 2021 season. Stay tuned for our next episode that will highlight the Braves 2020 season and outlook the 2021 season.